Uh, Father, thank you uh, for your kindness to us. Um, you've given us uh, your word, and you've preserved it for us, and we can read uh, today what you said to your people back in 1400 B.C., and we can see what you said to them, and we can profit from it uh, today. That's amazing. Uh, thank you for thinking of us. Uh, we pray tonight that you'd lead us and guide us into all truth. Your word is truth, and we uh, stand in faith on that. And we pray for your guidance in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, Deuteronomy chapter 1. I thought what I'd do is read. I'll just start in chapter 1 and read through 34. find out who the real Christians are. <laughs> Here's what I've been trying to tell you for the past number of weeks. God's expectation has always been since Genesis to claim Canaan, to claim the promised land, to claim their inheritance. And so in Genesis, he made them some promises. And in Exodus, he goes to get them out because of those promises the story doesn't move forward with Leviticus. We're just told about answering two questions. Remember those two questions? How do I approach God and how do I live with God? Remember that? How do I approach God and how do I live with God? Right? Because Exodus chapter 40, God came and dwelt with them in the tabernacle. You'd want to know, there's God. I see him in the tabernacle how do I approach him and how do I live with him? Leviticus answers those questions. Numbers, then the story keeps moving forward. Remember, why is it called numbers? Because there's two. Yeah, is it censuses? Sensei? <laughs> they count the people twice. So the first generation is tested and fails. The second generation moves forward, and so Deuteronomy is not going to advance the story. Deuteronomy is Moses making a, uh, doing a covenant renewal with the second generation of Israel. The first generation, anyone who is 20 and older, or, or well, just over 20 and up, died. Okay? So the second generation is now anyone from 60 years old, down. And so Moses takes them through a covenant renewal ceremony, or um, it's, a, it's a commitment, and it concludes with a ceremony. Then he's going to hand over the reins to Joshua, and Joshua is going to take them into their inheritance. Canaan is the place where they're going to experience God's best. They keep wanting to run back to Egypt because they think that's the better place for them. And God took them into and through the wilderness where there was unbelief and disobedience. What does he wanted the second generation? What do you want the first generation to do that they didn't do? What does he want the second generation to do that they don't know if they're going to do yet? You're in suspense. If you're in Deuteronomy, you're going, will they do it? Will they do it? Will they do it? What does he want them to do? Take the promised land. Take your inheritance. Okay. Get this chart. It's at the end of your notes. The reason it's taped, there's a piece taped over it, is because, well, we, it, it was late, and we forgot. And last year, or last time through this, um, some wonderful Christians who want to make sure the picture is correct noticed that the Jordan River is not on the left-hand side of the promised land. It's on the right-hand side of the promised land. And so the picture, for some reason, didn't get updated in your notes. And so Laurie found the updated version and taped it over your other one so that you would have a correct picture. Okay, because, why, so who cares? Oh, here's why you should care. This is just fun. This is interesting. Well, it should be interesting. 
Can you see that or is the light shining off it? Okay, so far we've heard the tale of one Moses. This is also a prototype for a second Moses in the New Testament. You ready for this? Some of you have heard it before. Don't shout out the answers. Okay, so this is the Old Testament. This is the New Testament. Okay? Egypt. What did God do? Remember, he took the people out by grace, through faith, under blood. Where did they go next? The Red Sea. Right, this is the Red Sea. I know it looks like a river, but give me grace, grace. Red Sea. Where do they go next? Mount Sinai. Where they got the? They, they got the law. They got the, the covenant. The Mosaic covenant came from Mount Sinai. This is the first generation. First generation, they come out here, and what happened? Oh, no. They went into the wilderness they got tested, they failed, the first generation dies, the second generation comes out, and they go over here, what's this? The Jordan, they haven't crossed it yet, but they're right here. This is where Moses is giving them the, uh, he's going through the covenant renewal ceremony with them right here. Remember, then he's going to give it to Joshua, and they're going to come into the promised land. Okay. Interesting. Gets better. If you've read Joshua, you remember when they come across, remember uh, the Lord tells Joshua to make... Um, an altar or a memorial out of 12 stones and put it on the promised land side. Remember that? Thank you. He also, Joshua, makes one and puts it in the middle of the river. Remember reading that? And you've said, huh, that's weird. And you just kept going. I know you. What happened when the river, which was backed up here, what happened when that river finally, the Lord released it, and the water went back? What would have happened to this memorial? It would have been covered in water? Was this memorial identical to this one? Yes. So interesting. You know what this is? It's a picture of baptism and resurrection. The same memorial that went down under the water is the same one that came up on the other side. Now, did they know that? No. But God gives this picture. Why? Dun, 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 dun. Second Moses... Right? What happened? How did, uh, uh, what's this book? Exodus. How did Exodus start? An evil king killing innocent babies. How does the book of Matthew start? After we get through the genealogy? What? Are you serious? Huh, that's crazy. And then God appears, or he communicates to Joseph, do what with baby Jesus? So that it can be said, out of Egypt, I called my son. And he went, oh, that's interesting, he fulfilled that prophecy. Yes, he did. Out of Egypt, I'll call my son. Okay. Interesting. So they leave Egypt... By grace, through faith, under blood. What's the next place they go? The Red Sea. 
Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, they were all baptized in the Red Sea, even though they didn't get wet. But they were baptized. Hmm. Matthew chapter 2. What happens in Matthew chapter 3? The Lord Jesus is baptized. What? In Matthew chapter 4, where does Jesus go? Okay, remember they went into the wilderness to be tested here in Exodus 19, or, or uh, 15, 16, 17, 18? Jesus is taken out in the wilderness. They didn't do so well. How's he do? Perfect. They go to Mount Sinai to get the law. What is Matthew 5, 6, and 7 called? The Sermon on the what? You okay if it's the Sermon on the Mountain? It's not a mountain. <laughs> it's a big hill. <laughs> sermon on the Mountain. And what does Jesus do? He says, you've heard it said. What is, what is he talking about? You've heard it said, but I tell you. People say, he never claimed to be God. Whoa, 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 whoa. He just put himself at least above angels, if not saying, I know what God told you before, but let me tell you what, let me tell you a thing or two. So we get Jesus giving us the Sermon on the Mountain, the Sermon on the Mount. Now, that's where Matthew ends the second Moses, but here's where it continues. This is the wilderness of self-effort. What happens to many believers? They get caught in the wilderness of self-effort and they try to live the Christian life in the strength of the flesh. And they go to behavior modification. Hmm? And they go to legalism. And they go to other rules and do's and don'ts and all those kinds of things. Remember and Paul says all the, you know, don't look, don't touch, don't, all those things. And they get caught here. Guess what? Somebody else already got caught here. How'd that work out for them? Not very well. What does God say the way out is? He says, I gave you a picture. How do you live, how do you live in, in this place? How do you live in your inheritance? In resurrection power. Everybody see that? The picture that he left him here. So here is resurrection power. When do I get that? When I trust Jesus. Symbolized when I get baptized and I go down under the water. And what happens to me? I'm dead. And what happens to me when I come out, come out of the water? I'm raised to new life. Whose life? His life. Galatians 2.20, if you're looking to memorize things. Remember Galatians 2.20? Somebody's got that memorized already? And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I'm not even alive anymore. The new bill, just like Cody talked about this morning, you're no longer your own. The new Bill is living on resurrection power. He's not living on the flesh. Now, if he, can, if he wanders around out here, oh, and he has and does, but how do I live in here? I have to go back and be reminded of my death, burial, and resurrection with Christ, and I have to walk in resurrection power, and then I can walk in my inheritance, which God has provided for me. We're going to talk about this a lot more as we go on. But I want you to see all these pictures in the Old Testament, guess what? They find 
their full explanation in the New Testament. And if this is brand new to you, you can leave right now. You just got everything you paid for tonight. This is amazing stuff, and you should go away saying, are you kidding me? If you're not saying that, I don't know what's wrong with you. This is amazing stuff, these pictures that God has left us. And as we go through Joshua, guess what? Here's why legalism doesn't work. It was way back here in the Old Testament. Do you know why legalism doesn't work? Who doesn't lead me into the promised land? Moses. Who does lead me into the promised land? Yeshua. Joshua leads me into the promised land. Moses does not bring me in. He can't. Because it's not about do's and don'ts. Does this make sense to you? Either you're so stunned or you're so bored. I can't figure out which one. <laughs> Way back here, why do we study the Old Testament? Because it enriches our understanding of the New Testament. God is showing his people back there, this is how I do it. Then they get the true, the bestest picture down here with the Lord. Oh, gosh, this is so good. All right, well, we're done with that. I got nothing better for you tonight. The rest, it's all downhill from here. This is great stuff, wonderful pictures from the Old Testament about our Lord's work before he's even come on the scene. Oh, my goodness. Good stuff. Okay, Deuteronomy. One word on Deuteronomy. That was all for free. That's a preamble. Deuteronomy. There's one word that goes on the book of Deuteronomy. That's recommitment. Recommitment. I don't know if you've ever been to um, one of... Uh, uh, a recommitment... Uh, 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 a, a, a wedding vow renewal. Lots of people get into stuff in their marriage. And wonderfully, some come to the place of saying, I want to go through a renewal of my vows. And they renew their commitment to their spouse. They're marvelous things to see if you ever get to see one. Recommitment. That's what they're doing. They're recommitting themselves to one another. Recommitment. That's what's happening in the book of Deuteronomy. Who wrote it? Moses. When did he write it? Around 1406 B.C. Where? On the plains of Moab, which is right there. He's right across from the Jordan. Remember, because the Lord takes him up there and he gets to see it, but he doesn't get to go over there. They're right there. And this is where he's probably writing the whole Pentateuch. He's sitting there, and he's writing this whole thing down. Why? How did we get here? He writes it all down and says, let me tell you how you got here. Clunk. Here's your Pentateuch. He writes on the plains of Moab. Why? His goal was to get the people, now this is the second generation, to renew the covenant made at Sinai. That is to make a fresh unreserved commitment to the Lord. A fresh, unreserved commitment to the Lord. Uh, do they need that? Yes. Because mommy and daddy didn't do such a good job in their stewardship of the covenant. What happened to them? They died. So it's time for the second generation to step up and step into this thing and say, we will take the covenant upon ourselves. What is Moses, this is the question for the book of Deuteronomy, what is Moses' final desire for God's people? This is his last book. What's his final desire for God's people? To turn wanderers into overcomers. That's what he wants to do. That's the big idea of the book of Deuteronomy. He wants to turn these wanderers into overcomers. How's he going to do that? Recommitment. They're going to recommit themselves to the covenant. What covenant? The Mosaic covenant. It had a particular form. Did we talk about this when we went through Exodus? Did I show you the form? I think I, think I did. 
It shows up again in Deuteronomy. Some of you I know are wondering, gosh, I think I see the same parts from the Susan Vassal Treaty in Deuteronomy that I saw in Exodus. Yeah, good for you. You did. You saw those parts. Here's the parts. For instance, if I would say, dearly beloved, we're gathered here in the sight of God and these witnesses, you would know exactly where you are and what I'm gonna, where I'm going, right? There's a form. They would have recognized this form the same way. It had these distinct parts to it. They knew in the first generation what they were, the covenant they were entering into, and they would know right here, the second generation would know, we understand what we're walking into right now. And so in Exodus, here's all the little peace parts. And then in Deuteronomy, here's all the little peace parts. And it turns out that most of these peace parts, Moses wove into sermons. He has four sermons that encompass all of these peace parts. Four sermons. First one, his first sermon, is a historical prologue. And he talks about how God took them from Sinai to Kadesh Barnea, their entrance into the Transjordan, and they're finally prepared to enter into the land. And that takes him three chapters after he covers the big things and their victories, uh, etc. And also the fact that um, God isn't going to let him go in. And maybe it was because of them. I don't know. He might have said something like that. So he goes, uh, he goes through the preamble of this covenant, the historical prologue. What's the point? What's the point of this whole first sermon? This, God has loved and cared for you. This is what he's trying to communicate to the people. God has loved and cared for you. He is your creator. How did we get here? He's your creator, your redeemer from Exodus your protector from Exodus and Numbers, your provider and your warrior, also from the book of Numbers. He's been merciful, gracious, and forgiving. He's been committed to your good and growth, and in spite of your failures, he's remained faithful and gracious to you. Follow him. That's a pretty good first sermon. God has loved and cared for you. Follow him. Him. He moves on to the second sermon. He talks about the covenant obligations. We're given the setting across from Beit Peor. He reiterates the Ten Commandments. This time it takes uh, a whole chapter instead of ten verses. The Great Commandment takes five chapters for him to cover instead of just a verse. So he covers the Great Commandment with them in a lot of detail. And then he outlines a bunch of specific laws and stipulations in the next 14 chapters. And he finally concludes with a summary charge in 26. See, some of you said, how's he going to get through the whole book in one night? There, I just about, I'm almost done. <laughs> Chapter 26, 16 to 19, here's the summary charge Today the Lord your God has commanded you to obey all these decrees and regulations. So be careful to obey them wholeheartedly. You have declared today that the Lord is your God. And you have promised to walk in His ways and to obey His decrees, commands, and regulations. And to do everything He tells you. The Lord has declared today that you are His people. His own special treasure just as He promised. And that you must obey all His commands. And if you do, he will set you high above all the other nations he has made. Then you will receive praise, honor, and renown. You will be a nation that is holy to the Lord your God, just as he promised. Summary um, charge from God through Moses to the people. So they go, yeah, we get it. We understand what we're signing up for. Lots of things in these chapters. Let me just point out a couple of things. Uh, fun, fun as we go on. Um, chapter 17, beginning in verse 14. Guidelines for a king. This is 1406. Saul doesn't come on the scene until 
1050. It's 350 years in the future. So what would be 350 years ago? What would that be? Um, see, this is 19, so this is 16. This would be like 15. Anyway, a long time ago. <laughs> long time ago. 350 years before it happens, God says, here are the guidelines for a king. You're about to enter the land the Lord your God is giving you. When you take it over and settle there, you may think, we should select a king to rule over us like the other nations around us. If you've read the Old Testament before, what is their reason for wanting a king? We want to be just like all the other nations. If this happens, be sure to select as king the man the Lord your God chooses. You must appoint a fellow Israelite. He may not be a foreigner. The king must not build up a large stable of horses for himself. Uh-oh. Or send his people to Egypt to buy horses. For the Lord has told you, you must never return to Egypt. The king must not take many wives for himself because they will turn his heart away from the Lord. And he must not accumulate large amounts of wealth in silver and gold for himself. Write in the name Solomon. Solomon managed to read this and violate all three. When he sits on the throne as king, he must copy for himself this body of instruction on a scroll in the presence of the Levitical priests. He must always keep that copy with him and read it daily as long as he lives. That way he will learn to fear the Lord his God by obeying all the terms of these instructions and decrees. This regular reading will prevent him from becoming proud and acting as if he is above his fellow citizens. It will also prevent him from turning away from these commands in the smallest way. And it will ensure that he and his descendants will reign for many generations in Israel. <laughs> 350 years, and then before Solomon, we got another, it's almost 400 years. Before it happens, God is saying, here's what I want the king to do. Because if he doesn't, going to be trouble. Mm -hmm. well, let's see, what else do we have here? There's so many interesting things. Well, we'll keep going. Where are we? Chapter 27? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, what is the second sermon? So the second sermon is about covenant obligations. These are the things that you owe, um, basically, that God wants you to do. What's the point? God has given you his word, which reveal his expectations for your life toward him, toward your neighbor, toward the world. His word also contains his priorities for your choices and his blessings for your obedience. So God has loved you and cared for you, sermon one. Sermon two, God has given you his word. This Moses guy, he's pretty good. He's pretty good at putting sermons together. He goes on to his third sermon which now includes, as we're working our way through the form of, uh, of the treaty, he's into the covenant cursings, blessings, and renewal. And so in chapter 27, he lists some curses. And you're supposed to pronounce the curses from Mount Ebal. And so he does that. Uh, and he lists all the curses there right before chapter 28. He goes into covenant blessings and consequences for disobedience. This, chapter 28, chapter 29, and chapter 30, are the golden key for unlocking the Old Testament. Chapter 28, 29, and 30. This is the key. Ready? Here it comes. Obedience brings blessing. Disobedience brings discipline, death, disaster, and deportation. That's it. That's what these chapters talk about. 
There are blessings for the obedient that are according to the covenant. There are also curses for the disobedient that result in discipline, destruction, death, deportation. Chapter 28, as a for example, if you fully obey the Lord your God and carefully keep all his commands that I am giving you today, the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the world. You will experience all these blessings if you obey the Lord your God. Your towns and your fields will be blessed. Your children and your crops will be blessed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be blessed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be blessed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be blessed. The Lord will conquer your enemies when they attack you. They will attack you from one direction, but they will scatter from you in seven. And he goes on and on and on and on with these blessings. Doesn't last long, though. By the time we get to verse 15, he's switched over to curses. But if you refuse to listen to the Lord your God and do not obey all the commands and decrees I am giving you today, all these curses will come and overwhelm you. Your towns and your fields will be cursed. Your fruit baskets and breadboards will be cursed. Your children and your crops will be cursed. The offspring of your herds and flocks will be cursed. Wherever you go and whatever you do, you will be cursed. The Lord himself will send on you curses, confusion, and frustration in everything you do until at last you are completely destroyed or doing evil and abandoning me. The Lord will afflict you with diseases. I mean, ah! He goes through all these things, all these curses, if you refuse to listen. And that takes up the rest of chapter 28. Chapter 29, he kind of talks about that a little bit more. Chapter 30. And if you look at the history of the Old Testament, when they obeyed, they were blessed. And when they disobeyed, they were disciplined. He brought disaster on them through other nations and armies, death, and eventually deportation. Deportation for the northern kingdom to Assyria in the year 722. Write it down. It will be on the final. And for the southern kingdom to Babylon, the last one, it started in 605, but the key date to remember is 586. That will also be on the final, guaranteed. 722 and 586. Listen to this, chapter 30. In the future, when you experience all... This is 1406 B.C. 1406. They're going to experience all these things all the way down to 515 B.C. What is that, roughly 900 years? So 900 years ahead, God says... Chapter 30, in the future, when you experience all these blessings and curses I have listed for you, and when you are living among the nations to which the Lord your God has exiled you, what? To which he's exiled you. Take to heart all these instructions. If at that time you and your children return to the Lord your God, and if you obey with all your heart and all your soul all the commands I have given you today, then the Lord your God will restore your fortunes. He will have mercy on you and gather you back from all the nations <clears throat> Excuse me, where he has scattered you. Even though you are banished to the ends of the earth, the Lord your God will gather you from there and bring you back again. The Lord your God will return you to the land that belonged to your ancestors and you will possess that land again. Then he will make you even more prosperous and numerous than your ancestors. The Lord your God will change your heart and the hearts of all your descendants so that you will love him with all your heart and soul so you may live. And he goes on and on and on. And then at verse 11, he says, choose life or choose death. It's your choice. Deuteronomy 28, 29, and 30 give you the roadmap of what's going to happen in the whole rest of the Old Testament. It doesn't matter if it's coming through kings, prophets, uh, judges, whomever. This is the roadmap for the rest of the Old Testament. When they obey, they are? When they disobey, they are? Disciplined. 
with lots of disciplines. Covenant curses, covenant blessings, and consequences for disobedience. 29 and 30 is then the actual covenant renewal portion. 30, 19. Today I have given you the choice between life and death, between blessings and curses. Now I call on heaven and earth to witness the choice you make. Oh, that you would choose life so that you and your descendants might live. You can make this choice by loving the Lord your God, obeying him, and committing yourself firmly to him. This is the key to your life. And if you love and obey the Lord, you will live long in the land the Lord swore to give your ancestors, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. What land is that? The promised land. Their inheritance. What's the point of Moses' third sermon? God has given you his promises. He's loved you and cared for you. He's given you his word, and he's given you his promises. He says, I will do these things. The obedient will be blessed abundantly, he makes clear. The disobedient will be disciplined severely. Summary of the first three sermons. God has loved and cared for you. He's been committed to your good and growth. And in spite of your failures, he's remained faithful and gracious to you. Follow him. Second sermon, he's given you his word, his expectations, priorities, and blessings. And he's given you his promises of life and blessing for your obedience. This is what God vows to do. What does he need? He's going to ask his people for a renewed and unreserved commitment to possess what he's promised them. So he asks them for a covenant commitment in his fourth and final sermon. He says, do not fear, in chapter 31, the most of it, and then he exhorts them to obedience and he blesses the people. He says, do not fear, Make the commitment. Reminds them to obey. Gives them a blessing. Last few chapters, last couple chapters, we've got the leadership of the people is transferred to Joshua. And Moses dies at the age of 120. There it is, the book of Deuteronomy. We're done. Okay, we're not really done. Let's talk about how this applies to us. Recommitment. Deuteronomy, asking the second generation to make a commitment, renewed commitment, to the Lord. How does this apply to us? Well, let's take a look at what has God already given us. He's loved us and cared for us ever since he called us out of Egypt. He's given us his completed word, to guide and sustain us. How much of God's word did the second generation of Israelites have? <laughs> this is what they had. This is what we have. This is what they had. They have the Pentateuch. Look what you have that they don't have. They never had. He's given us his completed word to guide and sustain us. He's given us his full pardon and our acceptance in his beloved son. That's what we celebrated last week at Easter. He's given us his indwelling spirit now and a future with him. He's given us the fruit of his spirit. And as we've discussed before from Ephesians 1.3, he's given us every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms are at our prayer fingertips for the asking. What kinds of things am I looking at for my inheritance? Uh, how about the fruit of the Spirit? Right there. How about every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm? Yeah, right there. How do I get those things? I got to walk in the power of the Spirit. 
not of my flesh. It's not by rules. It's not by behavior modification. It's for internal transformation that you can't do. Only the Holy Spirit of God can do. We'll talk about that more as we hit Joshua. These are the things that God has already given us. If you are in Christ tonight at one of these tables listening on a podcast, these are yours already. They have already been given to you. You're not waiting for them to be given to you. You don't say, gosh, a week from now, maybe I'll be good enough and then I'll get them. No. Remember, you already raised your hand and said guilty as charged. And it was in saying guilty as charged that you knew your need and you trusted in the Lord Jesus. And he said at that time, not only do I give you life, not only do I give you forgiveness of sins, but I give you the fruit of my spirit, my Holy Spirit, he'll indwell you. How about that? I'll give you Ephesians 1.3, every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realm. What we have been given is pressed down and running over with blessing. That's what we've already been given. So what is God asking from you and from me today? A renewed and unreserved commitment to possess what he's promised. I can know about my inheritance till the cows come home. Right? I can know about my inheritance. Have I stepped in to possess it yet? Key word. They knew all about the promised land. But they didn't press in to go get it until Joshua led them in. You can know all about your inheritance, but until you step in and start possessing it, it's just out there for you or for me. What is God asking from you and from me today? A renewed and unreserved commitment to possess what he's promised. Question, who are you most like today? Those who are numbered with the redeemed but couldn't be counted upon. Those who became easily discontent with life. Remember these people in Exodus and Numbers? Those who took God's provisions for granted. Those who didn't want to do battle or make progress. Those who spent their lives just wandering. Or are you most like these people today? Those who longed for their inheritance. And do you know who the great example of those who longed for their inheritance? The daughters of Zelophehad. Remember, they went back and said, wait a minute, wait a minute. <laughs> We're not getting anything. And Moses goes to God and says, hey, what about what these women say? And God says, they're right. They want what I have promised them. Give it to them. Unheard of in that day. They wanted it. They longed for the inheritance that God wanted to give them. Those who longed for their inheritance heard God. You will possess my inheritance if you take me at my word through faith and press in, says God to them. Those who longed for their inheritance loved God. You will enjoy me as well as my inheritance if your heart is right with me. And they obeyed God because he said, I will bless those who follow and obey me. What happened in the New Testament? In the Old Testament, it's obey and be blessed. New Testament, he obeyed, therefore we get the blessing. Because we're blessed, we should obey. It's not obey and be blessed. That's Old Testament. New Testament, you've been blessed, 
Therefore, obey. You're not obeying to get anything. You've already been given everything. There's not one thing you have that is Jesus's that he has not said, I will share with you. I will give to you. I will extend to you. There's not one thing he's holding back for himself. Unbelievable, our Savior, how generous he is. And how so many times we think God is so stingy. He goes, ah, gosh, I don't know what else I can do to show you. I gave you my son, best I had. I gave you him. I've given you every spiritual blessing in the heavenly realms. I've given you my Holy Spirit. I've given you my word. I've given you my promises. I, don't, I really don't have anything more to give you here. I, I, there's not something I'm holding out on you. The question comes to you and to me, do you want it? Is that what you want? Or you say, you know, maybe one day I'll get around to it. Those who longed for their inheritance heard God. You will possess my inheritance if you take me at my word through faith and press in. Those who longed for their inheritance loved God. You will enjoy me as well as my inheritance if your heart is right with me. And those who longed for their inheritance obeyed God. I will bless those who follow and obey me. And because we are already blessed, we can obey. Some questions. Do you need to renew your vows with God? Is he still the love of and key to your life? Do you need to recommit yourself to time in his word, prayer, fellowship with other believers? Do you need to recommit yourself to time? You know, we're all, uh, almost, in this room, all old enough to understand what our most valuable and precious resource is, right? Right? It's not money. It's time. Oops. Do you need to recommit to holiness? It's kind of easy to become complacent. It's kind of easy to uh, fall into the win-then syndrome. You ever fall into that? You're Christians, you don't. Let me tell you how, what happens to me. The win-then syndrome. Win this, then I will. When things get better in my schedule, then I will. When, then I will. The win-then syndrome. It's easy for us to all fall into the win-then syndrome when it comes to holiness. What's holding you back from making a renewed and unreserved commitment to follow the Lord starting tomorrow? A new and unreserved commitment to the Lord. If you can answer that right now, don't. This is one of those, you need to pray about this and meditate on this and sleep on it and think about it tomorrow. What's holding you back? If you say, well, I don't know if I believe it. Okay, what are you going to do about that? Most of you say, I, I think I'm kind of doing it, but maybe I don't know how well enough. Okay, we'll get there. We're going to get there as we hit some more books here. I know, it's crazy. It's in the Old Testament. Whew, can you imagine? What's holding you back from making a renewed and unreserved commitment to follow the Lord starting tomorrow? At some point, it's going to boil down to, I just don't want to. I want what I want, fill in the blank, more than that, more than him, more than that promise he's made me, more than that neighbor I have to go talk to from Cody's sermon this morning. What is it that's holding you back? And you say, well, nothing's holding me back. I'm moving forward the best I can. Wonderful. Keep trying to answer that question. 
is there anything hindering you? Anything you think, gosh, if I could just get rid of this, or if I could just this, or if I could just this, then. I know that's the win then, but you're trying to solve a problem here. You're not using it as a smokescreen or an excuse. For next week, read Hebrews. I know it's in the New Testament. I know. Read Hebrews. We will do Hebrews again in one week, one night. We're going to do the book of Hebrews. You will now see what the writer for the book of Hebrews is doing because you've been through the Pentateuch. And you will understand what it's going to do for you, some of you. You're like, oh gosh, there are some really scary passages in Hebrews that make it sound like I can lose my salvation. Guess what? Nothing could be further from the truth. The people who think that are ones who don't understand the book of Numbers. Because once you understand the book of Numbers, then you understand what the writer to the Hebrews is doing. Because he goes back and he pulls all of that stuff from Numbers. These redeemed people who started wandering in the wilderness and they didn't want what God had set aside for them. Guess what? They got into trouble. The writer to the Hebrews makes no bones about this. It is another book of warning. But it's not a book of you can lose your salvation. So don't start reading it and going, oh. We're going to dispel all of those things. You're going to say, oh my gosh, I understand the book of Hebrews. And you're going to leave, I hope, worshiping the Lord because of the way the writer to the Hebrews lays out the Lord Jesus it's just a series of better, 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 better. <laughs> and you're going to leave going, what a great Savior we have. So read, really, read. It's only 13 chapters. You could do it. If you read 36, you could do 13 easy. Now, you had two weeks. I know. I'm not asking for hands raised. Next week, read the book of Hebrews. You can do it. I believe in you. Let me pray for us. Father, thank you for your word. I thank you for the pictures that you tucked away back in the Old Testament, knowing that your son was coming and would uh, cast into a, a spotlight all those little uh, pictures you left for your people in the Old Testament, that you are truly the same yesterday, today, and forever. Uh, you've given us so much because of the completed work of Jesus. Would you change, as someone has said, Change our wanter, that our wanter would want you and what you've promised us more than anything else. Change our wanter, please. We love you. We pray for this. And even as we read for next week, uh, may we hear your voice uh, whispering to us. Uh, give us those uh, eyes to see and ears to hear, please. And we ask for it all, please, in Jesus' name. Amen.